A popular outcast production. This is the internet's premier portable gaming podcast. My name is Mark Matters, and I'm here with fellow portable gaming aficionados. Kevin Seibert. And Emmer Smith. This is the January 1st episode, episode number 14, and we are going to be featuring an interview with Josh from Crescent Moon Games. Crescent Moon is a game development company founded in 2009, which puts emphasis on collaboration, innovation, and unique ideas. You may know some of their work from the iOS, Android, or Google Marketplaces, or even Steam, uh, games such as Pocket RPG, Paper Monsters, Raven Sword, Rhymelands, Space Chicks, Mimpy, Optical Inquisitor, and the list goes on. But before we get to that, Kevin, how was your Christmas? My Christmas was quite excellent. How was yours? Not too bad. I got some very lovely surprises. Cool. Uh, what surprises would these be? <laughs> I'm just imagining surprises that aren't presents, so that's my... <laughs> oh, morning wood, yes. Um... Turkey neck alarm clock. <laughs> Horrible. No, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, well, my mother-in-law got me the complete hardbound edition uh, Calvin and Hobbes collection. Sweet. That's beautiful. And I pretty much crapped my pants when I opened it. Yeah, that's an awesome collection. I, I I don't have it, but I've seen it at um, Barnes and Noble before. It's beautiful. Uh, other than that, I got a a Samus action figure that is really cool. It's pretty expensive and extremely poseable, if you know what I mean, ladies. <laughs> Kevin, are you drinking this evening? I am drinking. Tell me what you got. I am having a uh, delicious Bill Rossum. <laughs> oh, I've heard about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a drink that was pioneered at the Mike's No Mike Open Mic um, that the popular outcasts do the last Saturday of every month. It's um, Orange Crush and Pinnacle Whipped Vodka. That sounds really saccharine and sweet. It's a party in my mouth. We can talk about the No uh, Mike's No Mike in a minute, but Emrys, what do you got going on? How was your Christmas? It was it was beautiful, and I didn't take. I didn't put pants on for like three days. That was my Christmas present to the world. (laughs) So what was what was hanging from the boughs of holly then? Um, just pajamas and you know a smile. (laughs) We haven't talked about this. What games y'all playing? We none of us got any video games for Christmas. That's true. I know this is like I think a first for me. It is literally the first Christmas for me in over 20 years where I did not get a video game. I guess there were a couple of years there, like during the N64 era, where I did not get any video games because I never got an N64 or a PlayStation 1. But Mm. yeah, like since getting back into video games back in 2001, like this is the first year I have not gotten a video game. But you did remedy that by buying Wonderful 101 on sale. I did. I haven't had time to sit down and play it yet, though, because I've been running around like a crazy person. Oh, me too. I I have an unopened copy of Super Mario 3D World just sitting 
by my TV. You haven't even opened that shit? Yeah, it's still shrink-wrapped. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, what little time I've had for, for gaming has been spent on hero mode of Zelda, which is ridiculous. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in low rule again, and uh, I'm trying to beat the second dungeon of that. And I'm just getting one-shotted by the bosses, so, you know, you take one hit and you're dead, basically. Wow. Um, that's what quadruple damage does. Yeah. And I've also been playing NES Remix on Wii U. I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I'm actually having a really great time with it, but it's very humbling, because it's making me realize that I am not as good at NES games as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they, they make you run through, you know, level 4-1 or whatever of Super Mario Brothers in the dark. It's not, not, not so easy. No, not not in the least. You have to have that stuff memorized. Yeah, Emrys, you got any games you want to talk about? Sadly, I I've been only playing League of Legends, really. Well, both of you now have done stand up at Mike's No Mike Open Night. I cannot say that. <laughs> <laughs> you did though. You say it. You finish it. You just like then lose your confidence. So how did that go? I hear Kevin did well. I honestly don't remember it, and not from alcohol like induced memory <laughs> loss. It was like. Well, first of all, I, I, yeah, I was two sips into a Yingling when Jeff called me up. Yeah. And I was not expecting to go th- quite that early, which, which ended up being okay. It's just that I didn't have any alcohol in me. Yeah. So I got, you know, like I had this adrenaline surge. Yep. And I know that I said things, and <laughs> I don't remember reactions. I don't remember what those things were specifically. Yeah. I think I made a joke about suicide. Yes. Um, it's always a crowd pleaser. Well, yeah, well, was it? Well, uh, you said your goal. You said your goal for the evening was to get Bill Russum to choke nearly to death <laughs> on laughter, because that's always a sure sign that you've done something right. And he yeah. he, he chortled quite a bit when you just were. He says, "So for my last joke of the evening, seppuku." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I, I, I had this adrenaline rush, I don't remember, and then I sat down and I shook for a good hour. Yeah, I can relate. Yeah, but uh, Emrys did a great set that was, um, he, he had a theme around his. Uh, <laughs> it was actually it was actually quite highbrow. Yeah, okay. it was about genitals. And he made lots of jokes about genitals, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, for whatever reason, I don't get nervous when I talk like, in front of a group of people, but then, like, immediately after, there was the intermission, and then, like, girls came and started talking to me, and I was like, oh, blah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess people thought I was funny. I thought so. Well, um, usually these will end up on YouTube, so I look forward to seeing both of your sets, being that I am sequestered 3,000 miles away in California. It'll be a couple weeks. It'll probably be up in about two weeks. Yeah. Cool. Um, if anyone's interested in seeing Kevin or Emrys or anyone else from the Popular Outcast sets, just search YouTube for, I'm going to attempt it one more time, Mike's No Mike Open Mic Night. Well, let's jump into the interview with Josh from Crescent Moon Games. For the record, I, I came into this interview like 15 minutes late, for which I apologize. I had car trouble. It's okay. Through the magic of computers and editing, it's not super noticeable. <laughs> okay, good. That's awesome. We're very pleased tonight to be joined on the show by Josh from Crescent Moon Games. Josh, how are you doing tonight? 
Very good, thanks. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for agreeing to be on the show. This is this is really great. No so, problem. So we uh we wanted to I guess start off with some pretty basic questions. How did you get started in the game industry? Well, <clears throat> back in um 2007, um I started working on a game called Raven Sword, which was <clears throat> back then it was going to be a PC game that was actually the game that I was really into at the time. I was really into uh Counter-Strike. <laughs> yeah, of all games. But um I don't know, I kind of had a thing for fantasy style games too, so I was trying to think of how to combine Counter-Strike with a fantasy game. And so I came up with this idea for Raven Sword, which was going to be like, you would be like the, you know, elves versus dwarves or, you know, stuff like that, where it'd be like a team-based sort of a deathmatch or, you know, plant the bomb type thing. Mm -hmm. And we had a, like a semi-decent prototype going for a little while, but ran into all sorts of issues with multiplayer and it was like, you know, trying to do like the melee con combat was a total mess. So I kind of put it aside for a little bit. And then, you know, I think like a year or so later, the iPhone came out and I saw that, you know, there really wasn't much for iPhone coming out for games. I mean, for apps that were games. And, you know, I saw a couple there was like a, a game loft game um, that, you know, had pretty cool 3D graphics. But I knew because I had done. You know, I'd started Raven Sword. Um, I thought that I could just basically take what we had and bring it onto the iPhone. Um, at the time, I didn't actually have a programmer, so it was just me and um, all the art assets that I had created for Raven Sword. Mm -hmm. So my my background is that I'm an artist. So I was hunting around, and I found a programmer on the Unity forums, and we kind of just started messing around and making builds for the iPhone, and then. Eventually, we had something that looked really cool, you know, for the time, and we posted it up on Touch Arcade forums, and people just went crazy. And oh, Touch, awesome. Touch, Touch Arcade posted about it, and so after that, we that kind of really, it really pushed us forward into making Raven Sword as awesome as we could to, you know, put it out on the iPhone. And this is before the iPad, also. So. It was late 2009 when we actually put Raven Sword out, and it was a huge success for us. It was featured by Apple. It was the number one RPG for like a month straight or something like that. Um, and everyone was kind of like, oh, my God, there's an open world RPG on your iPhone. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a pretty it was a, like our big uh, intro introduction to the world of mobile gaming. And then after that, started helping out other developers with their RPGs. We did um, another one called Aralon, which we worked with Glubeth Games. And we did another one called Rhymelands, which was a turn-based RPG. We did Pocket RPG with Tasty Poison Games. A couple other ones after that, and some other different types of games. And then eventually we became a publisher. So now a lot of the work we do is mostly publishing and promotion and stuff like that. And we still develop our own games here and there, like... Uh, Raven Sword 2 is obviously ours. We we had a big hand in Paper Monsters, which we'll talk about. Um, we did all the graphics for Paper Monsters. I I actually designed the the little paper dude for Paper Monsters. It took me like forty seconds. <laughs> we were like I I found this I found this developer on the Touch Arcade forums who was doing a game called Paper Monsters, and it was kind of like I could see that it had a huge potential because they're just wasn't much for platformers that looked halfway decent oh yeah so i 
so I approached um, James, who's the the developer of Paper Monsters, and um, I said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm really into the graphics stuff for mobile, and you know, maybe you want to get together and we'll you know really make this game amazing." So he, you know, he was interested right away. So we we worked on that game together, and I got a few other people involved to help out to make it sort of more enhanced, and that was a really big success for us as well. So yeah, I mean, Crescent Moon is usually it's been known in the past for sort of um, taking a game that's maybe in you know slightly a rough state and transforming it into something that's really you know pretty good. Well, like any good publisher, yeah, yeah. So you know, and and actually, we published our first game, Raven Sword, on Chilingo. And Chilingo, you know, I have nothing but really good things to say about them. Actually, I, the two owners before they were bought by EA are really nice guys. Um, and they had quite a few suggestions for Raven Sword as well. So you're right. I mean, it's, you know, a, the role of a publisher is to help out a developer to help them improve the game before they launch it. And that's, you know, a lot of what I do now with other developers. Yeah. And it seems like you have good taste in, in picking games. I mean, a lot of your games are very well received. Are there a lot of games that you have to reject? I mean, are you guys pretty in demand? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do have to say that, well, actually, you know, it's something that's really funny is I get, so I get a lot of requests to publish games. Sure. You know, I get daily requests to publish games and sometimes, you know, the game might be a good game, but I might reject it for, well, I shouldn't say reject, but I might just not want to publish it for some reason or another. I just, there was some particular thing about it that I couldn't get past. And there have been a lot of games that have come out that weren't released by me, but that I was like so close to publishing, but I decided to say no for one reason or another. Mm. So it's kind of in situations like that, sometimes I'm kicking myself <laughs> saying like, oh my gosh, why didn't I publish that game? Are they games that have maybe gone on to be fairly yeah, successful? Some of the games, I'm, I won't name any names, but some of the games have become, I guess, semi-well-known. No, nothing like Fruit Ninja or anything like that. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the games have become semi well-known and, you know, I, I, I can't publish everything that comes through for whatever reason. And some right. of them just, I won't publish, but you know, I, I publish anything that I think fits with my other games. Mm -hmm. In some cases, um, I'll go out a little bit further and pick a game that totally doesn't fit at all. But, uh, -huh. um, like yeah, you had some games that have been quite a bit different. You do have quite a few uh, fantasy RPG-based games. Um, would you say that that's maybe your one of your favorite genres? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know I, I do like that genre, and it's kind of funny because you know personally, my favorite games are Metroidvania-style games. Nice, um, yeah. Like that's my total my my absolute favorite game is Metroid, but haven't really released too many of those types of games just because there aren't really that many on the app store. Yeah. We're, we're, we're working on a couple of them now, but oh, cool. um, those are my absolute favorite um, game genre. I, I like Oblivion and Skyrim and, you know, the Elder Scrolls and stuff like that. I really like those games, but in my favorite is definitely the Metroid. So yeah. which Metroid game is your favorite? Uh, the original, definitely the original. There's no question in my mind. I love uh, Super Nintendo version, and I, and I love the Game Boy version. Uh -huh. But the first, <clears throat> the first one that I played, you know, was like 1986 or something. Mm -hmm. um, definitely my favorite. And the music, I love the music. Just the whole vibe of it. It was so revolutionary at the time. 
Absolutely, yeah. I also love Kid Icarus too because Kid Icarus came out basically at the same time, and I same played, engine. Yeah, and I played both games so much. I remember just pausing the game. I remember pausing Metroid, like when you're in Craid's Lair, I think uh-huh. it was Craid's Lair, and just leaving the music looping <laughs> for like because oh, wow. I loved it so much. It was so good. Um, you just don't. I feel like you just don't find games like that anymore. Where you really, it, it's it's almost otherworldly how how well they did that game. I mean, I, I yeah. love Super Metroid, and I love all the music in Super Metroid too. Um, but definitely, the first one is my favorite, just because you know at, I was 12 years old, I think, at the time. So uh-huh. that's the one that hit home the most, I guess. So you're an old school gamer. Do you still keep up on that stuff? Oh, to play those games, I, you know, I don't really have t- that much time to play those anymore. And when I do get back into it, you know, I, it, it's very brief, and I'm like, oh yeah, I played this a million times. It's it's not gonna be like the same as it was when I was little because, you know, it just doesn't have that sort of, and I play so many games now that it doesn't have the same amount of impact. Um, back then you went out and you bought a cartridge, you came back and you played it for days, you know? Oh yeah. Now you just, now you can play like 20 games in an hour. Yeah. On an iPhone or through a steam sale or something for sure. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's totally, totally different now, but, but now you've got a lot of variety and there's so many different, types of and ways to play that you know they're it's 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 an interesting uh situation now what's your view of of like the mobile gaming sort of scene it's it's i mean it's still in its infancy but as someone who grew up with with stuff like the original metroid like i don't know how do you i i personally they see uh mobile gaming in general seems a lot more like simplified and i kind of miss that old school approach like i don't know do you feel the same way or yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like, you know, the majority of the mobile games right now, you know, they kind of skew toward like the ultimate casual gamer, the gamer that doesn't really play that deep into things like the old style. But there are a few gems on the App Store that do do still have some of those qualities. Like every now and then you, you find something you're like, whoa, that like I, I think um, one of those games, that Sword Ego game is, was a pretty cool one where it kind of captured the, some of that old school feeling. I don't know if you guys know that one. It's, I don't it's think cool. I know that one. No, I don't either. Yeah, you guys should check that one out. It's um, it's like, it's almost like a side-scrolling Zelda. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. great. It's so like Zelda 2? It's a Zelda-vania. <laughs> oh, shoot. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's got like elements of Zelda and elements of, well, it's like a plat- it's like a platforming Zelda, I guess you yeah. might say. But yeah, I mean, App Store like maybe two years ago. I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there are a decent amount of, for lack of a better word, I guess, hardcore games out there. Like, even um, in preparation for this review, I downloaded a bunch of Crescent Moon games and, yeah, like Rhyme Lands. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I I only had time to play it for maybe half an hour, but it's definitely like got some old school charm to it. And you know, even though it's not optimized for my phone, right? It was still, it was still like. The kind of like niche game like that I really enjoy playing. Yeah, it's you know that that one's kind of interesting because it's got that dice mechanic where you actually see the dice right on the on the guy. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's you know it appeals to certain people, and um, you know the turn-based combat also appeals to certain people. It's got that sort of steampunk uh, sort of winter look to it, which is cool. It's yeah, it's got a great vibe. Yeah, it, it was, you know, at the time, I think it was a pretty cool game. It came out like 2000 and was it early 2010. 
yeah, it's been a long time. And that came out like three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was a neat one. And, you know, Aralon's a pretty, pretty deep RPG for a mobile, mobile phone. Okay. It's like ridiculous amounts of stuff you can do it. You can even, you can even like, you can buy a pipe and sell tobacco. And you, if you smoke certain types of tobacco, you can levitate. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also Aralon has tons of stuff in it. It's crazy. That sounds play. awesome. Have you, um, are you familiar with our format at all? Usually we, um, talk about the alcoholic beverages we are consuming in addition to the, the gaming that we're doing, but <laughs> Oh yeah, you know what? That's funny because I think I remember you or Kevin, maybe. That was me. Yeah, I think Kevin wrote something like bring an alcoholic B Y O B or whatever it is. You know, it's I don't actually drink any alcohol. Once in a while I I will if I'm forced to. I've got some melatonin sitting next to me. Maybe I should that's for my that's... daughter to actually go to sleep, but <laughs> um, <laughs> that might work i don't know i haven't tried it but um yeah that's fine I'm, I'm drinking black tea because i've been sick for like a week oh so don't oh, worry about not if, drinking if you're if, like a cold you mean i think so it might be something bigger than that but what were you gonna say take lots of vitamin d forget what they say about vitamin c it's all about really? vitamin d yeah all right. whenever i'm getting sick with a cold i don't know how i found this out i think it was sort of by accident but we have those, you know, those gummies that you can buy. Mm-hmm. We have the tons of the vitamin D's. And my doctor at one point said I was vitamin D deficient, probably because I basically in a cave all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was taking a lot or well, I was taking a normal amount, but then I got was getting sick and decided to take more. And then literally like in a day, it was just gone. Yeah. I mean, so every time I get sick now, I just take tons of vitamin D and it seems to work. Wow. All right. I will try that. Yeah. So just take like five bite, five gummies before you go to bed. I do like the gummies too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I they're speak sort of my language. <laughs> so like I was saying, I, I did download a bunch of Crescent Moon games and 99% of them I had never even heard of before. Do you wow. find it difficult to get noticed on the App Store? I mean, it depends. Sometimes it's easier than other times. It It kind of depends on the game, actually. Like genre or not? Well, not necessarily genre, but sometimes games, certain games generate more PR than others do for for whatever reason. Like if there's some really good PR hook with a game, it'll kind of just generate more no matter what you do. Like I can send out all the press releases in the world and a game won't get noticed if it doesn't have X, Y, Z. But if certain game has something special that everyone loves, then people latch onto it. Okay, so, so is part of that timing then too with trends and everything? Yeah, I mean, I don't actually. I don't even know if it's really that. It's more like there's is there's some hook about it where people latch onto it. Like the thing with Raven Sword was that people are like, "Oh, it's a mini Skyrim for your phone," so then they sort of latch onto that hook. Okay, yeah. Um, or another game. Let me think here. Paper Monsters. Is like, oh, it's like little Big Planet or Super Mario for your phone, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's sort of like the whole Game Loft. Um, not that I'm saying my games are like Game Loft games necessarily, but you know, that's you know bringing sort of a more console experience to a phone. In a lot of cases, people like to latch onto that. I, I did yeah. really find a, a lot of similarities between Paper Monsters and Little Big Planet in particular, and I, I mean, I thought the art direction on it was fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I guess that wasn't really a question so much. I just, like, I just, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> so, um, 
Cool. I'm sure he's happy being lavished with praise and lieu of questions, though. It's a different sort of interview. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I made that little guy in like 40 seconds. The other part took a lot longer, obviously, like the world and stuff and making sure everything sort of matched and fit the theme. And um, it was actually the the guy who did the 3D models for all of the uh, enemies in the game came up with the idea of making it all papercraft. Because at the time, we were like, oh, we're just going to do like a Paper Mario. You know, everything's going to be flat, but, you know, 3D. And then he was like, well, you should you should make it more like papercraft, like uh, that newest one by, what's it called, Tearaway on the PS Vita, I think. Yeah, that's it, Tearaway. Right. Um, and I'm not saying we were the first paper game either, but I think we were one of the first ones that made it like, trying to make it like papercraft, like people were constructing little sculptures out of paper. So as far as um, Paper Monsters goes, do you know how the process for that going into development for uh, to become a Wii U game went? You know, on the Wii U, I'm not actually the publisher. I mean, it's still all my art and everything, but James went to Nintendo and got his developer license for them, and he really wanted to do it. It wasn't something that I was necessarily interested in, okay. um, but, he, but he was he's like such a he's like a mario freak like beyond <laughs> not in a bad way he's just really <laughs> really into mario and i love mario too but he's like super obsessed he wants to be on nintendo so bad so i was like yep yeah, go for it you know i'm not stopping you you can go ahead um i'm not gonna slow you down you go get your developer license you go to it so yeah he, he basically started up with it and he's got a friend helping him out i think just polishing stuff because you know they have to have support two screens and everything like that mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not the same um development process as mobile phones or, or ipads it's like a whole nother animal and uh, I, you know, I said, yeah, go for it. I'm totally cool with it. Basically, we had started on Paper Monsters 2, which was going to take place in space. But what we decided to do was um, take those space assets and incorporate it into this Paper Monsters recut that's on the Wii U, and it'll eventually come to uh, mobile as an update, I think. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get some. We actually we were talking, we were kind of throwing ideas around. I don't know if you guys have heard of the game Blaster Master. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it was one of my favorite um, NES games, but we were trying to think how we could get some sort of like moon buggy thing that you could get out of and explore planets, things like that. So that was um, what was going to be that what the space update was going to be, and now that's going to be part of Paper Monsters Recut for the Wii U. Awesome. So yeah, another Metroidvania right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take all I can get. Yeah, I know. You can never get enough of those things, I swear. So on the Metroidvania front, the two other games that I hadn't mentioned that we're working on right now, one is called Minds of Mars. I don't know if you guys saw anything about that one. It's basically like uh, people keep just comparing it to Terraria, but um, it's got its own little thing going on, I think. it's It's got a very unique art style, and it's very story-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically you're mining on Mars, you're uncovering the secrets of Mars, so it's almost like uh, Waking Mars is another Metroidvania, but it's not that style of Metroidvania. This is like a mining Metroidvania, more like Terraria, but it's hard to explain. It's It's got really good music, too, and it's it's probably going to come out around February, I think. Okay. Right. It's definitely... You guys should check it out. It got greenlit what's, on Steam. What's um, the mining mechanic like? Um, You have uh drills or pickaxes. You start with a pickaxe, but then you eventually get drills. Um, and you just, you're basically trying to go down deeper and deeper to uncover secrets of Mars. And there's a whole, there's a whole sort of thing that unlocks 
secrets on the surface as well as the, the further you go. And there are also a lot of buildings on the surface that you go that you will use for, you know, crafting, smelting and all that sort of thing. But then there's like a little arcade that you can go in that has retro games. And oh, man, it's, it's a really cool. It's a pretty deep game. It has a bunch of different what we call corridors that are like little. So it's like a mining game. And the, but then you have these corridors that you go into that you need to find stuff and defeat bosses and things like that so it's got like metroid but mining and secrets and it's a lot of you know it's a lot going on but it sounds awesome it, it's yeah i think you guys will really like it especially if you're into those types of games um and then the other game that you know i just sort of signed recently for publishing is uh it's called crystal catacombs mm-hmm. and it's a uh it's a roguelike metroidvania oh so it's punishing um, yeah it's pretty punishing <laughs> but it's it's really it's very retro it's sort of nes style it was a kickstarter that was successful like two years ago and they've been working on it forever so look up crystal catacombs on kickstarter definitely that's another one that's coming out next spring sometime and it'll probably come out pc mac first okay so these aren't just ios games or android no, no, no. in fact um mines of mars uh, was greenlit on steam so we're, we're not sure we're not sure what's going to come out first because of the engine that Minds of Mars uses is called Corona and it doesn't actually even support PC or Mac yet. <laughs> wow. So, oh wow. So yeah, it's kind of funny. We put it on there not even thinking we were going to get greenlit and then we got greenlit so we're like, "Um, okay. <laughs> we'll uh we'll port this to another engine, I guess, or just wait, I guess." Do you wait think you're going to make use of the early access program on Steam? I don't know. I mean, we so we just launched Raven Sword on Steam like last week. Yeah. And um I'm not sure if to me it seems like early access games are good if you have multiplayer, if that makes any sense. A lot of our games are single player games and to me I don't feel like early access makes a lot of sense for that. That's I interesting because I I've actually I bought quite a few single player games on early access on Steam like uh Prison Architect. Mhm. Um, Starbase DF9 both both got their hooks into me. And, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting experience because especially like Starbase DF9 is really really early in the development. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I don't. To me, I mean, as a publisher, because I'm basically I'm mostly a publisher. I am a developer also, but I'm mostly a publisher. Early access is weird to me because I feel like sometimes it would just distill all interest in the game. Before like an like an actual launch date, right? Um, and I've talked to a couple of other developers that I have done early access, and I kind of got mixed feelings about it. So I wasn't really sure for our games if we were going to do it. Yeah, it's a really strange process. I, I'm not sure like what like gave them the idea, but it's not really like beta testing at all. <laughs> like, for that, you you sort of sign up to play a game for free mostly right but paying for a game that's not even remotely done it's really it's really odd it's Kickstarter a new, yeah, a new concept is, yeah it's sort of the same thing but you, you don't really get your hands on the game for a long time yeah i mean it's people that are i mean i guess people that are super interested in a game and they're they're so interested that they want to throw their money at it even if they can't even get it i guess i mean that's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to rationalize um, why people do such things, but they do. Yeah, definitely a lot of retail is not really 
logical behavior. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I guess that comes with just, you know, trying to sell something. But I mean, I mean, it's cool that they do have early access because, you know, it, it is, I, I bet for a lot of people, it's cool to see an early stage of a game, even if it isn't, you know, polished yet or, mm-hmm. I don't know, do they, do they allow you to give feedback and things like that? Yeah, I guess that's part of the idea is that you're supposed to get like forum access for the game and um, you can talk to the developers as they're working on it. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, I I could find that really appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, so. there are a lot of um the developers put out a lot of diaries too. Like, here's our monthly update. Right. This is what we put in, and this is how it went, and here's what we're working on next, and that's really interesting too. Yeah, because a lot of people don't ever get that sort of insight behind oh, yeah. the developer wall that, you know, like that you kind of wonder how, how these things work if you're not a developer. So, right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, to me, it seems like I don't, I would have a hard time updating it all the time, maybe. Yeah. That's really important, I think, is the yeah. regular updates. Yeah. I mean, even just keeping track of Raven Sword on Steam, just trying to, <laughs> like, um, cause, it, it was kind of a rocky launch because it's an iPhone game and everyone's like, wait, this is an iPhone game and it's on Steam and it's way too expensive and why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, we got greenlit. You know, we, you guys did vote for us. We're here because we got we got voted in. You know, we didn't just like sneak in the back door or something. But, you know, I guess a lot of people, it, the votes were like 50-50 yes-no, but we still got voted in. So there are plenty of people that liked it and probably plenty of people that hated it. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, we have to put up with that. And I understand. I mean, they're used to playing Skyrim. And, you know, this game obviously was a super low budget compared to any of those games. We had like three or four people working on it at any given time compared to like hundreds probably. But I'm starting to get used to that because now that we've had a couple games greenlit, Paper Monsters was also greenlit. Um, we're going to have to, you know, deal with those sorts of issues. Right. I guess the way to look at it is just a whole new marketplace. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to understand this. It, it's just like when we first started on the iPhone, it's that was a whole new thing for us. Then we we're trying to understand it. And Steam for me is a whole new thing because I've never had anything on Steam before, ex- except for, you know, just launching Raven Sword. So I'm learning what the expectation level is. And that's, you know, just comes with with doing it for the first time. So we're learning and I'm, I'm trying to tell people to cut us a little slack just because it's our first PC game, but I don't know if that <laughs> always works. Um, but yeah, we'll get better. It's just, you know, it'll take a little time to understand that market and meet those expectations that people, you know, they, they do really have some high expectations there and that's good yeah. because they want quality and that's, you know, I'm all for that. It just, for me, it's, I have to like sort of, balance development and costs and stuff like that to see but so far you know i'm pretty impressed with the numbers on steam considering Mm -hmm. we got really bashed for being an iphone game and we i don't even think we got featured or anything still did pretty well um so i think you know there's a good there's definitely a good um market there for us to try the crystal catacombs game we're going to try to put on green light i think people will like it there because it was the successful kickstarter and you know, I'm, I mean, of course, I'm mostly a mobile publisher, so I still always will be doing that. But, you know, I, I think Steam is a cool market to be in. As a publisher, how much input do you have as far as, um, like, in-app purchases and that sort of thing being added into a game? I mean, I usually just try to give my best advice for, you know, in-app purchases or, you know, whatever developers want to add or 
most of the games that I do are premium, but a few games will go free or like Space Chicks just went free and it was a total crazy explosion of insanity. Yeah, and I've just got a Christmas update. Just got a Christmas update. A lot of people weren't happy because it went free so early, and it, I can't say that I was that happy about the decision to go free early because I didn't, you know, I don't want to make people angry or anything like that. The sales were not very good in the beginning, and it was paid. It was like 99 cent app, so it did go free, and and once it went free, it actually ended up doing worse than when it was paid. Oh, geez. so it was sort of wow. so it was sort <laughs> of funny. I think a lot of developers have some expectations that oh you can make tons of money with free to play games but there's a whole nother world inside that where there's a lot of research that goes into figuring out how to make money with those games and it's not something that indie developers can usually pull off it's very 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 rare i mean i'm i think the only ones that i know that have been really successful have been um nimble bit that have had successful freemium games for indie developers in you know, it's another thing that requires a ton of experience and knowing how the market works there. And, and you know, majority of my stuff has been premium. So that is not my area of expertise. I, you know, I try to say, well, we could do an in-app purchase that does this or that, but it might not be the best solution. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you yeah. tend to prefer the, the premium as opposed to the... Um... Freemium. <laughs> Freemium. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, personally, I prefer one purchase, one-time purchase games. Like yeah. my own personal self, and I just some some of them you know make me feel pretty uncomfortable with you know how much they feel like they're sort of sucking money out of you. But then you know it's weird because I feel like a lot of people play these games and they don't necessarily mind. So I'm always on the fence as to what I should be thinking about it. Yeah. And I feel like I've been having this internal discussion with myself about whether it's good or bad for like two years now. It seems like there's a population of people out there who do in-app purchases all the time and don't mind it, and they're yeah. not the typical gamers. They're not oh. people who've been playing for a long time. No, they're the people who bought Snoop Dogg's photo app. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. There's no a, it's, like a, it's, it's like one of those photo apps, take a picture, and you can do a bunch of crazy crap in the background, but it has in-app purchases, such as you can basically Photoshop a joint in your mouth for literally a hundred real world dollars. <laughs> no. Hey, okay, that's released. I uh, I believe so. I that's I read an I read an article about it, and I'm assuming it's not a joke. Wow. Well, you know, like, if you can be creative like that, then I'm you know. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> yeah, creative. Creative is the right word. Yeah. yeah. It's so, sort of creative. It's pushing the boundaries. I think for sure. These people were first discovered with like like Farmville on Facebook. Yeah, and they all got smartphones. But like, who are they, and and what motivates them to pay five dollars on t- Tiny Tower? Yeah, those people don't like Metroidvanias. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Metroidvania is like the the furthest thing from like a mobile uh, accepted type of game. It never really works well. I mean, I well, still it's, love and everything, but it's I just... would think the controls would be difficult to pull off too. Yeah, I, I mean. And Apple, you know, they have, and Android, they they have controllers now and everything, but I don't know how well those are going to catch on. Oh, yeah. Like the the new, there's the MoGa and there's the Logitech. It seems but like I, every few days I see a new article about a new controller coming out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, to me it seems like without, like, Apple really pushing hard on it, it's not going to 
necessarily catch on. They kind of, they kind of have they've been really secretive and they haven't really done much. So I don't know how well it will catch on. I feel like on Android it caught on a little bit more. You see those controllers in all the stores all the time. I do. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, a bunch of those things. And I think it's pretty cool, but it's tricky because you release a game and then you get all these emails that say, well, how come you don't support this controller? Or how come you don't support this controller? Right. And I'm like, well, you know, most of the games that I release are made by one person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can't they can't possibly support 10 different controllers. So, you know, we try to support the most popular ones. And I thought half the point of playing a game on an iPhone was that you only need to use your index finger. Isn't that the, the draw of the device? Yeah, but, well, here the whole thing is that does Apple want to get, or Google, want to get into the, you know, proper gaming market? I think the reason for doing controllers is that to make a step maybe into the console-style market. Yeah. I don't know if that's if it even makes any sense for them to do that because they, they they're so huge without even needing to, why would they? Right. But you know, those games do make money too, so they probably have to mm-hmm. look into every possible option. So <clears throat> you you uh, talked a little bit earlier about Space Chicks and I kind of wanted to uh talk about that a little bit more. It's kind they, of Mario Galaxy. Yeah, it 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 has an interesting Mario Galaxy combined with like an ar- an arcade <laughs> like top your high score like old school feel. And it has, like, a really weird, quirky sense of humor. Well, for me, I mean, I'm the publisher. I'm not the developer. Right. But I can say that the developer is very quirky. Okay. <laughs> but I think the game the, the game itself, Space Chicks, I think, is an amazing game. It's probably one of my most polished games I've ever released. It just has this really... It has a really snappy thing about it that just feels right. And it's one of the, you know, you, you kind of run around a planet and then you jump and try to run around the next planet. But the way they, the way the developer did the gravity in between the planets was, it's really nice. Like you get stuck kind of in the, in the middle of gravitational pull between two planets and you're not sure where you're going to end up. Yeah. Really kind of cool feeling. So as far as what he was thinking when he made it, I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I, I think that. You know, he was combining a bunch of different things. He wanted to do some sort of endless runner. He wanted to take elements of, you know, gravity from the planets like a Mario Galaxy. And it sort of, you know, got a lot of flack for being semi-sexist as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I wondered that, but yeah. yeah, It did. And, you know, people were saying, like, there was a lot of, not necessarily hate mail, but people were like, well, why did, you know, why did you do that? And, you know, I tried to ask the developer, because... It was funny. I didn't really even pay attention to that. I don't know why. I kind of just like went brushed right past me because I was so into the gameplay. Mm-hmm. But the developer kind of just says it was more tongue in cheek and not really taking itself seriously. So I mean, I guess I can understand that. Um, yeah. After and then the first level, I, that's how I felt about it. It was very tongue in cheek. Yeah, and it's kind of just like the whole thing's basically a joke. But you know, obviously you're rescuing space chicks, and you can have multiple space chicks. But there are some, you know, there's some actual some of the little little comic text that comes up on the bottom is a little racy sometimes <laughs> and some of the power-ups are a little racy as well yeah. so yeah i mean there there's some sort of uh unpolitically correct stuff going on in that game but the core like the core mechanics of that game i think are really genius i i really love the way it plays and it feels so snappy and yeah, it feels unique to that genre for sure um, That's yeah, how I, I kind of feel about all your games. You know, they're, it's like, oh, this is kind of like this, except it has this. Yeah, like, well, just taking something to a different 
or trying adding something new that sort of mutates it into something else is is probably a good description of some at least some of my games. I wouldn't say necessarily all of them are totally unique or whatever, but I think some of them have those qualities. Yeah. I don't have an iPhone, so I couldn't play Space Chicks, but I was drawn to it because it sounded a little bit sexist. But the gameplay <laughs> video the gameplay video on your website is is really compelling. So I wish I could play it. Dude, what do you have as a phone? I have an Android on well, Nexus. I do think it's gonna I do think it's gonna be on Android soon. I'm not sure how soon, but that was in the plan. I'm not sure what's happening right now because the Christmas update came out and we're trying to figure out basically sort of how to make money with the game because it was such a flop when it came out. <laughs> and we added, you know, a bunch of things to try to get people. Well, basically when it came out, it had this thing called the lab, which is supposed to be the shop where you could buy stuff. But I don't think anyone realized that the lab was the shop. So no one was buying anything. Um, so we changed the lab to a shop, so it's pretty obvious now that you can actually buy stuff. And we moved it so when you crap in space checks, you you're platforming on a bunch of planets, then you jump in your rocket ship, go to the next set of planets, you mm-hmm. crash into a planet. So on that first planet of each second galaxy or whatever you want to call it, we added a shop that you can tap on to go into, which is actually cool, not just for making money, but the fact that you can go into that shop and you can change your outfits or power-ups while you're playing, which is, I think, pretty cool. I bought the chimp outfit immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there's some good ones. The new, um, the new update actually has a thing that if you invite Facebook friends, you get this outfit that looks like kind of like Wally. Um, oh. Yeah, um, pretty, it's pretty neat. It's a pretty good-looking outfit. Then there's, of course, Bruce Lee-type outfit and Chuck Norris and um, not Jean-Claude Van Damme. What's the other guy? Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, yeah, he's in this. Not officially, of course. Something that sort of looks like him. Yeah, and then... they all have, they all have clever names, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if people actually buy those because no one actually buys anything in this game. But <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the worst argument for a freemium game you could ever make. <laughs> um, so who knows? Maybe maybe eventually just it'll switch back to paid and we'll remove everything. I don't know. Right now it's kind of all up in the air and we're kind of waiting to see how people receive this Christmas update. Do you think that uh, that getting a publicity from something like um, being perceived as sexist is a good thing or a bad thing? You want me to make a moral judgment? <laughs> um, on myself? No. Um, well, you know, the old thing is no PR is good or bad PR. Why is right. it? It's something like yeah, that. There's no much. such thing as bad publicity. Right, right, right. But yeah, I, I think that's actually untrue. Because, you know, obviously a lot of people that could be into this game will be female players. Right. And especially, you know, I feel like my wife plays a lot of casual games and she loves, she absolutely loves Space Chicks. She actually likes it more than I do. And she's not offended. But I feel like there would be some, and I have seen some people that are offended, so I could see why they wouldn't download the game. Mm-hmm. And I had some people suggest, well, why don't you just make them space chickens? Like, <laughs> rescuing space chickens. Yeah. I don't know, you know? He, that was his idea, to make them space chicks, and that's right. what he went with. So, and I just like the game because the game is the game, but... Yeah, it's... And, th- and that would make the menage a trois achievement really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, now that you mention that, I did... Someone mentioned that on Twitter. Um... <laughs> Someone said you should make them into space chickens or space, you know, space chicks, not not human chicks. And I said, well, yeah, the menage a trois would be a little, 
Um, yeah, that would be even worse than what it is now. Sales but, in the south of the United States would skyrocket, though. Uh, yeah, most the most downloaded um, countries right now are Russia and China, and they aren't paying for anything, I can tell you that. Wow. So, yeah, so we have to figure out a way to get people in the U.S. It seems like the U.S., for the little amount of downloads that we have in the U.S., seems like those people actually are paying for things. So, you know, there's a lot of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. But it's a very con- it's very time-consuming to, like, go through all these different options and, yeah. you know, data and all that stuff. When I could be playing Metroidvanias. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on at Crescent Moon. Um, yeah, we have another um, one more game coming out. Uh, we have no more games coming out this year. We're done for this year. I'm very happy for that because now I can just focus on, like, updating things and just kind of taking the holidays easy. Then we have a couple games in the spring. One is called Shadow Blade, which is a really cool ninja platformer. Look at look for the videos. It's really um, bloody and violent, but it's really cool. It's really well animated, and it's got a really cool art style. Nice. I think you're. Isn't this on your site right now? Shadow Blade. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably has a video. It's actually much better than it looks on the video. I think because the video is sort of old. It's yeah. It's a pretty cool game. And then. One game that we just released recently, which is totally unlike anything I've ever released, called Optical Inquisitor, um, is a sniper, yeah. a 2D sniper game that, for some reason, is just climbing the charts like crazy now, and I have no idea why. All of a sudden, I noticed it was number one in several countries, and I was like, okay, where did that come from? And now I'm looking at the charts in the U.S., and it's actually climbed up today. It climbed into the top 100 games it's not featured or anything like that. I have no idea why. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird. Like, I, I thought Space Chicks, like, I felt like that game would have been a hit game already just because it's, to me, was really addictive. My wife was super addicted to it, but, you know, that one didn't catch on yet for whatever reason. And then this other game, which I had no expectations for, is, like, climbing the charts like crazy. And, you know, you never know. It's really weird. So, for me, you know, releasing many games has been more of a key to my success than trying to stick with a few. Yeah. Because if I had, then I might not be here right now. (laughs) Because you never, it's almost like, you know, there's the the PR aspect of, you know, really selling a game and getting it out there. But at the end, it's up to people if they like the game or not. You know, you can do all the PR in the world, but if people don't like the game in the end, then what do you do? You know? Yeah. So. Have you noticed a particular genre that tends to do better than the others? I think that um, RPGs do really well, at least from my experience. I mean, there are two, our two best-selling games are Aralon and, and uh, Raven Sword. So there's definitely a, a pretty good RPG player fan base on mobile phones, no doubt about it. Um, even though the costs of those games are pretty high compared to most games, um, people are willing to pay. And the other thing is that very few of those games are ever released. I mean, think about how many open-world RPGs there are in the App Store. Oh, probably like three a dozen. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if there's that many. I mean, I've played I, a few. Yeah, there aren't many. It's it's. I feel like I can count them on at least one hand. Um, there's one game coming out that's been in development for like three years called The Shadow Sun. That is another open-world RPG that actually got announced. I think it was mid late or mid 2010. 
and they're releasing they just submitted it to apple like two weeks ago oh gosh is this made by blizzard (laughs) (laughs) you'd almost i mean i don't know what this game is going to be like but man they've been working on it for three years and i hope because the market has really changed since three years ago oh sure paid the paid market is so much smaller than the free market now the or the free top grossing market i guess you call it so it you know, releasing a paid game and spending three years on development, I don't know what their development costs were, but I hope they make their money back because yeah. it's such a different market now. All right, well, I think we're going to have to wrap things up. All righty. Um, Josh, why don't, you tell, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> not like, not like, specifically <laughs> right now, but, <laughs> you know, Twitter or whatever. Oh, um, so, yeah, you can follow me uh, uh, on Twitter at cm underscore games. And our website is crescentmoongames.com. And then you can email me, but you don't have to. At <laughs> you can just email me at um, Josh at crescentmoongames.com if you have like a really specific question. Yeah, um, I know we might want to have a game about poop published someday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, I will fully publish that. Very if, if if you're if you're if you haven't listened to the show. Uh, one of us, uh, maybe they don't want me to say, is developing a game about poop for hand uh, for mobile phones. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an action game where you have to chop <laughs> up, you have to flush a toilet that's been plugged up. It's a low flow toilet. This was inspired by a true story. It's sort of a it's sort of a portable power inner side joke. Nice. I know one. There's one poop game that I can think of. Happy poop. <laughs> that is pretty good. It's by a friend of mine who's a developer, Gavin Bowman. I think it's Retro Dreamer. Have you heard of them? No. Okay, if you're not, you need to right away go to your app store and get a game called Spider. It's just awesome. It's retro, like, it's like Galaga, but you're protecting these Spider eggs. Um, it's just amazing. It's, it's been out for a long time, but it's definitely still my favorite iPhone arcade game. And it has iCade support, too. So it's Retro Dreamer, but they made a game called Happy Poo. <laughs> Which I think all you do in it is like you tap on the poo and then you get it's kinda like um cow clicker or um you know that one where you just tap on cookie cookie tapper. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's like that but with poo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, check those guys out. They're good. All right. Great. Well this was this was a lot of fun and uh you know, thanks yeah. for coming on the show and talking to us. Um, that was, uh, yeah, it was interesting and it was definitely fun. I didn't have anything to drink, but maybe I should start <laughs> drinking. Um, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great to be on the show with you guys. And, you know, maybe in the future, next year, sometime, we'll do another one. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Awesome. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. All right. Take care, man. Nice talking to you. Have a great you night. Talk to you later. Have a, have a happy holiday. You too. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Goodbye. Well, that was the worst interview ever. No. <laughs> it was great. Oh, yeah. Thanks again to Josh from Crescent Moon Games for coming on our humble little show and doing a really bang-up job. I mean, he, he had so much to talk about. I feel like we, you know, basically could have just let him run the show. Yeah, I like. I was, I was going down my list of interview questions, and he was getting to them before I could even ask. Yeah, so we will be back this month. 
uh, for some game reviews and such on, you know, January 15th-ish, depending on how it goes. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be a normal episode. I'm going to be reviewing an iOS game called Continue987654321. That name's really easy to say. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'll just call it Continue from here on out. Kevin's doing Space Chicks, which, as you just listened, is a great game by Crescent Moon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Emrys is doing Star Traders for Android. Yes. And Kevin, for our portable past, is doing Kirby's Dreamland. Yeah. It's going to be tight. And uh, don't forget to um, help the Popular Outcasts by going to their website, um, popularoutcast.com, or our website, portablepower.popularoutcast.com, and click on the purple Amazon banner and do your shopping that you that you do online, because everybody does that. What happens when you use that Amazon banner, assuming you've cleared your cookies, of course, the uh, Popular Outcasts get a small cut of whatever you spend on Amazon. And we know that's a lot cuz you got to get that you got to get that uh Zelda. Right. Since yes. Santa didn't bring it to you. Sad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh don't forget to get in touch with us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or facebook.com/portablepowerpodcast or on Twitter at portablepowerfm. If we're not hearing from you at this point, it's your problem. <laughs> so we had so many avenues open you can just choose whatever one you like the best yeah mm-hmm. i mean short of giving out our personal phone numbers which i'm not opposed to depending on how you look in a short skirt Whoa. <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> better hope the short the skirt either isn't too short or the wiener isn't too long <laughs> <laughs> or or they could have testicles like emerson's owl that's true. <laughs> I, we should probably put a picture of that up on the Facebook thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So that people know about your owl's testicles. Well, you know, there owls you gotta get the word out about those balls. <laughs> oh, boy. We are not in the groove. Nope. No. <laughs> not at all. And I just picked up a guitar. Oh. It's out of tune because my son was standing on it. <laughs> Closing music brought to us by yeah. Edgar. <laughs> well, we might as well end this because this is a disaster. <laughs> All right, dear listeners, uh, we look forward to shooting our mouths off into your ear again in about two weeks. Until then, take care. Have a good night. Peace out. Drive safely. See you in a couple weeks. Goodbye. <laughs> Maybe that's why we drink when we do an episode of normal. I just made a fart noise with my mouth, though. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Forgive Mark, I just made a fart noise with my mouth. <laughs>